Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. For today's podcast, I interviewed Marty Oakner, President and COO of DP Hue. Marty spoke to me about the rapid evolution of the beauty industry and how today's age of micro-beauty came about. He spoke about how DP Hue has capitalized on the changing beauty landscape through its digital strategy, everything from formula and packaging submissions to the systems it uses for warehousing and distribution to leveraging data and working with influencers at its content studio. Marty is currently the vice chairman of the ACG Global Board of Directors. In September, he'll become chairman of the board following Angie McPhee of Baker Tilly, ACG's current board chair. You'll be seeing more of Marty, including in the Middle Market Growth magazine, where he'll be writing a letter introducing each issue. This is the third and final podcast recorded at ACG's Intergrowth Conference, and it's also the last time you'll hear me give this disclaimer. There were about 2,000 attendees at the event, and we recorded on the main conference floor. So at times during Marty and my conversation, you'll hear the ambient sound of networking in the background. So with that out of the way, here's my interview with Marty Oakner. Marty, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Well, it's great to be here, Katie. Thank you. So I want to ask you about DP Hue, but before we delve into the company for context, I want to start talking about the evolution of the beauty industry more broadly. It looks a lot different than it used to when departments were beauty counters were kind of the norm and the go-to place for people to get beauty and hair products. So talk about what's behind the shift in how we shop for beauty products today. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, I wrote an article on this about uh, two years ago. And, you know, it was really at the time where there was a bit of a pause in the industry with all the, you know, acquisitions taking place with Too Faced being acquired by Estee Lauder and a lot of the smaller, more niche beauty brands being acquired by the major players in the beauty industry. And, you know, it, it, it was at that time that everybody looked around and said, wow, you know, this landscape has changed not just because of the rise of social media, not just because, you know, the shift in channel dynamics, but it's really an entire new paradigm that the industry was really facing. So, you know, in the article, I talked about Sephoraization, <laughs> um, you know, of the channels. I could, I could also say Ultimization, right, yeah. with Ulta Beauty. And, you know, those channel dynamics really played into one aspect of, of the change. And, you know, that was basically that shift from brands really facing that big barrier to entry for channel distribution in department stores, Sephora and Ulta embraced a lot of the smaller brands and bringing them to market. So as a result, consumers just, you know, had an exponential increase in the product offerings that they were shown. Um, So, you know, that automatically led to this expectation of, you know, more niche usage occasions, more niche uh, positioning, brand positioning, you know, whether that's through the tone and character of the brand or in terms of the product benefit. So that was that was one way that the industry really changed. And, you know, it didn't really happen overnight, but it almost seemed like it did because the next change that took place really occurred as as most of the millennials came of age and began engaging more heavily with the beauty category. And, you know, they grew up with social media. They grew up with mobile technologies in their hand. So, you know, you, you combine that with the fact that there's an exponential increase in the number of products that they're seeing. And now you democratize the messaging 
right? And the ability for some of these smaller niche brands to actually, you know, advertise their positioning through social media and through building a one-on-one relationship with consumers, you know, consumers over time fundamentally shifted in their level of expectation of where they expect to engage with the category, as well as the messages that they're being served. They want a two-way dialogue. So, and that, that enables, you know, a higher level of accountability for the consumers to hold the brands to. And, you know, in a lot of ways, gives the brand just so much information about what the consumers need. And because the channel distribution, channels of distribution are there with Sephora, Ulta, and then also direct-to-consumer channels, you know, with their own brands.com websites, you know, you, you have this, um, you know, real uh, fundamental shift in the industry. And, you know, and then you look at how that plays into the back end of the business, right? On the supply side, you know, you, you've got just a ton of contract manufacturers that brands can choose from, right? So, you know, while all this is happening at the front end of the value chain, the back end of the value chain is also becoming democratized. So, you know, you, you have so many contract manufacturers who will not only do the formulation, but they'll also source the packaging. They'll also, you know, help with regard to product claims and, you know, how to uh, improve on existing formulations that might be in the market. Um, So now you've got small companies that typically wouldn't have the resources or the internal bandwidth to actually formulate and bring a product to market. And that capability is now accessible. And then you combine that with the fact that we're in a very capital rich environment. We have been for the past eight years you know, private capital and really in the spirit of ACG um, has not only been the growth engine of the middle market, it's also been the growth engine behind beauty. So, you know, you combine all of these factors with the fact that the concept can actually get funded and you have what we call the age of micro beauty. DP Hugh, where you serve as president and COO, seems really well positioned in this environment of micro beauty. Can you talk about your products and who your customers are? Yeah, for sure. So DP Hue is a brand that started about 10 years ago. Our customers are the 70% of women in the U.S. who color their hair. And also in Canada now, we're just expanding to Sephora Canada. And DP Hue products enable uh, women and men who color their hair to maintain fresh color uh, between salon visits. So, you know, most women, when they go to the salon, they get their hair done, they feel great. And then two to three weeks later, either their gray roots start to appear, or maybe the color's faded if, if you don't cover your grays, but you've got highlights. And, you know, it's so frustrating because, you know, women pay a lot of money to go to their salon pro to get their hair done. And, you know, when it fades two or three weeks later, DP Hue products really enable her to either maintain their color or boost her color. Our founder, uh, Donna Polad, she was going to an event in New York and she realized that she had gray roots and she said boy you know i can't get into my colorist to go see him or her before this event which was really frustrating but she didn't want to use box color so she uh went to italy and she found uh, a formulator and uh basically brought an italian cream color uh, root touch-up kit and all over hair color here to the u.s and basically started out with uh, a retail model 
where it was own stores and um, basically uh, a, a direct-to-consumer play with that home hair color. And uh, what she soon realized was that it really wasn't the at-home color where the business potential was. It was in all the ancillary products that she had developed on this journey. She had formulated the first ever apple cider vinegar hair rinse. You know, an apple cider vinegar has known, been known for a long time to be an ingredient that uh, is very good for your hair in terms of rebalancing the pH and you know, creating all over hair health. But she also formulated it with a color locking technology. Um, so right after you leave the salon, you apply it, seals the color in the cuticle of the hair, rebalances the pH of the hair, so it really maintains the hair's natural oils. Um, she developed uh, also the uh, toning shampoos and conditioners, both to combat brassiness for women who have highlighted hair or blonde hair. A lot of times when you're exposed to the elements and out in the sun, you can get orange tones, yellow tones in the hair, um, and a purple shampoo will neutralize them. And then for brunettes that do highlights, we've got our uh, blue shampoos and conditioner. So basically, uh, it was these ancillary products that took off. And uh, as this was occurring, she uh, began uh, distributing in Ulta about three years ago, uh, as well as Sephora.com. And with that pivot, um, it went from being uh, an at-home hair color company to a consumer products company as it is today. She uh, also partnered up with uh, our co-founder, Justin Anderson, um, who's a celebrity colorist in L.A. And his clients include Miley Cyrus, as well as uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Margot Robbie and, you know, just some of the, you know, household name celebrities who are really known for their amazing hair. And you sell into both B2B and B2C channels, is that right? Correct. We sell, we sell direct to consumers. We're a true omni-channel brand. So we sell uh, direct to consumers on dphue.com. That's our direct to consumer platform. Um, and our B2B businesses include all thousand um, brick and mortar Ulta stores, Ulta.com, Sephora.com, Nordstrom.com, and Revolve.com. One of the unique things about our brand is that we also have an app for salon professionals where they can actually order the product for their client while they're sitting in the chair. And we will process that order in our own .com platform and do a drop ship fulfillment directly to that customer's door. And the Salon Pro makes a 35% commission without having to hold any inventory. Oh, wow. So they're so, incentivized to exactly. do some of this. Okay. Exactly. They're incentivized. And, and the key here is that, you know, right after... A woman's leaving the salon chair, you know, she just had her hair done, um, shampoo and conditioned, you know, she's not necessarily going to need the product tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? But she's certainly going to need it, you know, three to five days, maybe a week. And, you know, now with this app, the salon pro is able to educate her on how to maintain her color at home with DP Hue products or reboost their color, her color at home. Huh and make a 35% commission without hold, holding any inventory. So Very great cool. benefit for them. How much of your time personally would you say is spent working on the company's digital strategies? It sounds like that's a big focus for the company overall. Yeah, it's a huge uh, part, of my, part of my role. Um, so, you know, really it's basically integrated into everything we do straight across the value chain of our business. Um, you know, starting at the very forefront of product development, you know, our suppliers have a lot of portals that we might work with uh, as we're going through either formula submissions or packaging submissions and whatnot. And then straight through to our uh, warehousing and distribution, 
you know, all of that is automated as well with the warehouse management system that needs to plug into our ERP and then our, our customers' ERPs for automatic forecasting and replenishment. So all of that on the back end, you know, relates directly to the front end and what we're reading in terms of demand indicators. So whether we're monitoring sales through our e-commerce platform or to our through our retailer databases, really all ends are, are talking to each other, you know, straight from the beginning of the process to the to when the product gets in the end consumer's hands. And even at that stage, um, we have a really unique engagement platform, which is basically heavily social media driven. It's a content studio that's uh, proprietary to us. It's in LA. It's a house that we lease up in the Beverly Hills area. And it's a private invite-only content studio where celebrities, influencers, and friends of DPU can come to get their hair done, get educated on how to use DPU products, also just engage with the brand in, in an amazing branded experience, and then also engage our retail partners in various events. Like we did one with uh, Dermstore.com, which is one of our uh, retailers, retail partners this past week. We had uh, Davis Factor there, who's the founder of Smashbox Cosmetics. We had uh, Michelle Lee, who's the editor-in-chief of Allure, uh, as well as Sunday Riley, uh, who founded the skincare brand Sunday Riley. And we did a, a panel about what it's like to scale a beauty company now in the digital age. Um, so it's a really unique platform. And what this does is it, it really enables us to, you know, watch, engage, and really share with everyone through social media what DPU is all about as a brand. And, you know, from that, we also have, you know, a lot of uh, two-way dialogue with the consumers, both while they're in the house, as well as, you know, consumers who aren't in the house, as they're speaking to us online through our various uh, digital platforms. So it is probably where I spend 90% of my time in terms of looking at how these efforts can be coordinated throughout all areas of our company. Mm. And you mentioned working with influencers. Can you talk about that strategy and, and how you've incorporated that into your marketing? Yeah, so it was actually um, really the DPU House was the creation of our uh, chief marketing officer, Mark Ferdman, who came from uh, Estee Lauder. He used to run digital for the Origins brand. And when he joined uh, DPU and he saw that Justin Anderson, who's our celebrity colorist uh, in LA, was basically bringing his clients or hosting his clients at the salon that he was working at, or he was doing house calls to them uh, and coloring them in, the, in their home. You know, neither solution was really optimal for uh, a celebrity. So, you know, the idea here is to create a space where celebrities can come and get their hair done. And obviously, influencers really love to, um, you know, have new experiences and, you know, create content on their own. Um, and certainly by being in an area where there's a lot of celebrities and celebrity activity happening um, is really key uh, elements of content for them as well. So here we have DPU House, where we host celebrities, influencers, and friends of DPU to help educate them on the brand, how to use it, what it does in order and how it works in order to maintain or boost their, their hair color between salon visits. And we're able to basically capture everything that's going on in the house through short form video. And that goes up onto our Instagram page 
and it goes through story uh, as well as grid posts for you know still and other video imagery. And it's actually been very successful for the brand. Uh, when we launched it, I think we had about 10,000 followers on Instagram, and now we've got 102,000. Oh my gosh! Wow. Uh, yeah, in less than two years. So <laughs> we really feel great about the about the performance there, and you know the halo effect to our in-market performance has been great too. I mean, the brand year over year is up. 3.3 times in sales. So we're, we're, we, I can confidently say that we are one of the fastest growing prestige hair companies in the beauty industry today, largely due to our, our digital strategy. Your role at DP Hue is just your latest in part of a 20-year career working in the consumer goods industry. So I'm curious, over that span of time, how have you seen resources shift within companies as technology becomes a bigger focus? In terms of you know hiring strategy as well as you know building out departments, I think there's been more of a trend towards insourcing. When I first started in the industry, it was it was always outsourcing. You know, there's an agency that can do that, or you know, there's the the digital agency can handle digital, and then the you know you've got your traditional advertising agency, and then you've got your event agency, and you know all of that was sitting separate. As you start thinking about how, what that means in today's world, you don't need all that separation. You know, with social media and with a lot of the technology platforms that basically run digital being democratized, you can bring these functions in-house and that will increase your speed to market, the quality of creative consistency, you know, across your various marketing vehicles, as well as, you know, creating that touch and feel to the brand that really you only get a feel for when you work inside the company and you really understand its ethos. So, you know, I think it's been a, been a really big, uh, you know, shift in the industry towards insourcing. And I, I see that continuing well into the future. And we hear a lot about the challenges facing brick and mortar retailers, but for a company that sells its products online, are there unique challenges that you're running into there? No, not really. I think, you know, there's definitely a role for stores, Without a doubt, you know, stores remain relevant in the beauty industry. People do, you know, there are always segments of consumers that are going to want to touch and feel the product. But even more important than that, I think it's really about being where your consumer is, you know, at all points of their day. So, you know, it's a little bit less about whether or not they transact on dpu.com, ulta.com or in store. You know, it's just really a matter of where you know, they might be searching that day if they're, you know, looking at beauty products or, you know, another trigger goes off. Maybe they're on Instagram and they see something, you know, DPH related and then they walk away from it and then they're sitting at their computer and then, you know, something hits top mind. Oh my goodness, I forgot that I have to order my apple cider vinegar hair rinse. And they might just go directly to dpu.com or maybe they're thinking about their ultimate rewards or Sephora Beauty Insider. So wherever they transact, great. Um, we just want to be there at the point of transaction, at the point of purchase. And for someone who is maybe listening to this and is looking for a new podcast to check out, I heard that you might have a recommendation. Yes, for sure. So um, our uh, celebrity colorist in L.A., uh, Justin Anderson, just launched a podcast broadcasting from the DP Hugh House. Very cool. And it's called In the Chair with Justin Anderson. And uh, it's a little bit of uh, content around hair, but also a lot of content around life, uh, business strategy, as well as just a really great behind the scenes of any of the celebrities and influencers that we might have coming into DPU House. We uh, just aired an episode with uh, Beverly Mitchell, who was on the show uh, Seventh Heaven. 
Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, she talked, just, she's just wonderful and just a really great friend of DP Hugh. And, and there's just also other many more celebrities and guests, uh, you know, to come in the podcast. So we're very excited about it. We'll have to work on a crossover episode, maybe Middle Market Growth and DP Hugh. You guys are welcome anytime. Marty, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple, SoundCloud, or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, visit our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, to read the latest issue of our magazine and web-exclusive content highlighting middle market companies and M&A. 